Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. My name is, as Courtney said, my name is Steve. I'm not Pastor Steve, I'm another Steve. <laughs> There's Pastor Steve. He and his family just got back from a week-long vacation to Myrtle Beach, and we're giving him a little, a little time off last Sunday and this Sunday. But it's good to see you this morning. The subject of our conversation today, this morning, is going to be the Holy Spirit who he is and what he does for us. This is the outline that we're going to follow. Hopefully we'll, I'll have enough time to, to go all, all, over all four bullets. Uh, Steve is uh, very good about keeping in a timely fashion. I have no idea how long this will last. It could last 25 minutes and it could be longer than that. <laughs> But, but, but Bart told me that if I go over like 35 or 40 minutes, he's going to shut the microphone down. So, so when you can't hear me, you'll know the service is over. Okay, um, as most of you know, I like to look at surveys, see what's going on in our country as far as, as Christianity is concerned. And uh, this morning, I want us to look, uh, next slide please, I want us to look at uh, a survey that was conducted in, in 2021. And there was a question in there about who, who, who people think the Holy Spirit is. And you had to self-identify as to who you were. And there was four categories. There was uh, a, just a plain old Christian, nothing else. Uh, born-again Christian, a theologically born-again Christian, and then a, a Christian that was theologically born-again, had a biblical worldview, and held to Orthodox Christian teachings on a wide variety of issues. And so, uh, as, as you see, the, one, the first group that self-identified as, as Christian, 62% contend that the Holy Spirit is not real, living, being, but is merely a symbol of God's power, presence, or purity. And I have no idea what a symbol that would be, look like, but that's, that's what they chose. Uh, the next group is born-again Christians, and we're going to talk about being born again this morning. Uh, but they, uh, they, uh, 57% of those folks said that, that the Holy Spirit wasn't a real person. Uh, the third group, theologically born-again Christians, 50%, about half of those believe that. And then the last group, it was the more narrow group, really, you would, we would call those folks really, really... Uh, Christians that are, are engaged in their church and their community and their Bible reading and things like that. Well, almost four in ten of those thought that the Holy Spirit was just a symbol and not a person. Okay, let's, so uh, when I looked at these numbers, it didn't surprise me. Next slide, please. Um, last year I spoke to you when uh, I was filling in for Pastor Steve, and we talked about who who that uh, Jesus said he was. And we saw that uh, over a third of all Christians don't believe that, that Jesus is God. So, so clearly we have a disconnect about who we think God is. The God who we worship and the God who we serve, there's, a, there's some, obviously some problems there. So this, this morning, that's why I chose this topic and I, and I hope that in the next few minutes I can clearly tell you who we think that the Holy Spirit is, who we believe that he is, and what he does for us. Okay, next slide. Okay, 
Christianity is one of three major religions that believes in one God, a monotheistic religion. Okay, but ours is different because we believe that God is in one in essence, but three in persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. And when we say that, that a person, we don't mean that God is human because God created humans. We don't believe that, but we think he has three, there's three personas in the God that we worship. Um, so the, the Holy Spirit is definitely not a symbol or, or a, a force or a what or an it. The Holy Spirit is a person, just like God the Father and God the Son. And we see when we read through the Bible that uh, personal pronouns are used for, for all three, he, him, and his. And this is the, the example I'll, I'll, I really like that, sh that shows that, that the Holy Spirit is God. In Acts 5, we see, remember, the first church had just kicked off in Acts 2, and, and, and there was thousands of people coming to the Lord. And so you had people with power and influence and wealth, and you had people with, with really no, no resources at all. And so it became a custom that if you had a lot, that you would sell some of your possessions and turn it over to the apostles, and they would, they would pass it about to other people that, that were needy. And so that's what we see this morning. And this couple, Ananias and his wife, decided they were, they were going to sell some property and say it cost a certain amount, which was, more that, that was less than what they got for it. So they were going to pocket some of the money and then let everybody believe that they were giving it all. And so, so the apostle Peter knew this, and so he confronted Ananias with it. And he said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Did it not belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made, what, made you think doing, what made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to a human being, but to God. So this, what I'm telling you this morning about the Holy, uh, the Holy Trinity of God is nothing new. Uh, uh, the church has embraced that since... Uh, since it was founded, uh, it's the first century. This is not a new revelation, but apparently a lot of us are not getting it. So the, uh, this is my feeble, next slide, this is my attempt at describing the, the, the Trinity of God. We see God's in the center. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. That's just as about as deeply as I can explain the Trinity to you. <laughs> Next slide, please. And I'm not apologizing for that because my finite brain can't describe an infinite God. That's, that's what's been revealed to me in the Bible, and that's all I know. And the, and the Bible makes it clear to us in Isaiah 55, 8 through 10. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
Uh, Paul told the Romans, and, who to, uh, and also us, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or has been his counselor? And I, I love the, how Job describes it. How great is God beyond our understanding. The number of his years is past finding out. So, there's a lot of things about God that I can't explain to you. And that's, that's where our faith comes in. But just because I don't understand everything doesn't mean he's not real and he's not in our life and he's not, he's not keeping the, this universe together as we speak. Okay, so what, I want to look at the Trinity quickly for a moment and then uh, the Holy Spirit. So what does the Bible tell us about the Trinity? We see that the Trinity was involved in creation. We see in verse two, first two of Genesis, the second verse in the Bible, the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And Paul tells us in Colossians 1 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God for by him all things were created both in heaven and on earth. So all three persons of the Trinity were involved in the creation of the universe. We see in, uh, when uh, Adam was created in Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. We see the Trinity was involved when Unfortunately, two chapters later, Adam and Eve sinned. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now he might stretch out his hands and take also from the tree of life and eat it and live forever. And man, uh, Adam and Eve was banished from the garden. Uh, we see in, in uh, the, the Trinity was present when the people were trying to build a tower to heaven. And you've you got to remember, okay, this was after the flood where the whole world was... was was wiped out except for eight people. And mankind started trying to build a temple to, to the heavens. The Lord said, Behold, there are one people, and they all have the same languages, and this is what they begun to do. And now nothing which they propose to do, will be, purpose to do, will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they'll not understand one another. And they, that's where we have different races of people, and they were spread throughout the earth. Okay, what else does the Bible tell us about the Trinity? Next slide. Okay, we see in the, in the, that uh, the Trinity was present when Mary became pregnant with Jesus. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. We see the Trinity when Jesus was baptized. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and, and John the Baptist saw the Holy Spirit descending as a dove and lighting on Jesus. And behold, a voice out of the heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. When, when, as Steve referred to earlier, when Jesus gave us the Great Commission, he mentioned the Trinity. Then Jesus came to the disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, even though Jesus was a member, uh, was a person in the Trinity, 
he still, uh, still uh, reaffirmed that God is one. Mark 12, 29, Jesus himself spoke the one, of the oneness of the Trinity when he quoted Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, o, hear, o Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And we see in Corinthians and we see in 1 Peter uh, how that they des, uh, describe uh, the, Holy, uh, the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the Holy Spirit. So I think the Bible clearly states to us that God the Father, God the Son, and, and the Holy Spirit all exist. They all exist at the same time, and they all are God. Okay, so let's go to what does the Bible tell us about the Holy Spirit? Okay, I, thanks to technology now, you can do searches. I did a search, and the Holy Spirit has been mentioned almost 300 times in the Bible. Uh, 30 times the Old Testament and approximately 260 times in the New Testament. And, and, and before Jesus died and, 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 uh, and uh, redeemed us of our sin, the Holy Spirit couldn't live inside of us. But the Holy Spirit would come upon people. And we see that in Judges, for instance, where Samson was going to Timnah with his mother and father and the lion came up upon him and the Holy Spirit came to him and great, gave him great strength and he was able to subdue the lion and we see that occurring with Gideon and King Saul and, and many others in the Old Testament. We, we see it in the New Testament, too. When, when, when Mary, once she was pregnant, she went to visit her, her uh, cousin Elizabeth, who was also pregnant with John the Baptist. She was further along than Mary. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So we see people getting the Holy Spirit in the New Testament prior to, uh, to Jesus, but it would just come upon them and then leave. It wouldn't dwell with them. Uh, so, uh, King David wrote in Psalm 51, Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, David knew that he depended on the Holy Spirit in his, in his day-to-day life, and all of his writings were d- directed by the Holy Spirit. And then in Joel the prophet uh, who, who made a prophecy about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he made this prophecy 800 B.C., so like eight centuries before Jesus was even born. It will come out about after this that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. All right, next slide. And we see this prophecy occurring uh, in the first century. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurred on Pentecost, which is the 50th day after Jesus' resurrection. And that's approximately 10 days after, before Jesus, uh, or yeah, after Jesus went up to heaven. Remember, he told, he told his disciples, go and stay in Jerusalem and wait, and the Holy Spirit will come to you. And about 10 days later, it did. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as if fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak. It says other tongues, but it's other languages, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So from that day forth, all believers had a new relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're going to dig into that in just a few minutes. Uh, Hebrews 9, 14, we see that the Holy Spirit is eternal. 
Psalm 139, 7, we see that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Uh, Zechariah 4 tells us that the Holy Spirit's all-powerful. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians tells us that the Holy Spirit's all-knowing. He searches the depths of God. So I think we can, we can say that the Holy Spirit is God. Next slide. Okay, so why is it important that we recognize the God, the Father, God, the Son, and the God, the Holy Ghost, or God? Well, it's because the Bible clearly tells us that they are. And the first command that, commandment we were ever given was in Deuteronomy 6, 5, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And Jesus reaffirmed this in his, in his first, uh, the first commandment in Matthew 23. He was asked a question, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So in order for us to, to uh, love the Lord with all his heart, soul, and mind, we have to know who, who the Lord is, right? We have to understand. And so the Holy Spirit... The, uh, God the Father, God the Son, they're, they're all God, and we have to give them the honor and glory and respect. And when we ignore one of them or don't think he exists, that's, a, that's, that's really messed up. You know what I mean? That's really blaspheming against God. So now we want to turn our attention to, okay, what does the Holy Spirit do for us? What, what makes him unique in the Trinity? Okay, the first thing we need to look at, next slide, please, is... The Holy Spirit directed the writing of the Bible. There was 40 authors, and the Bible, the, the books, the different books were written between Moses in 1500 B.C. to uh, the first century with uh, the Apostle John. But all these books, all these words, all these uh, that, that was in the Bible were all inspired and directed by the Holy Spirit. And we know that because the Bible tells us that. Acts 28, 25, the apostle Paul said, The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet. So he was saying that the words that Isaiah gave them and they were reading was directed by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1, 21, For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Mark 12, 36, Jesus confirmed the Holy Spirit inspired the Word of God. While Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he asked, Why did the teachers of the law say that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. So Jesus was saying that when David wrote that, he was under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And this is the one you see most quoted uh, about the Holy Spirit directing the uh, writing of the Bible. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And finally, in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the, the, Holy, the Bible is not a book just a book. It's, it's a, a, a book written by God to us so, and reveal more about God. So it's very important that we look at it that way. And that's why we hold that as, as uh, the, principle, the, the primary principle in our life. We base our life and how we act and live on the Bible. 
Okay, so now I want to, now that I think, are we clear on the Trinity? Are we clear on the Holy Spirit? Anybody think that the Holy Spirit may be a symbol or a ghost? When I was a kid, uh, we used the uh, King James Bible. And when they talk of the Holy Spirit, they would say the Holy Ghost. And my vision of that when I was just a little tyke was it was this sweet little ghost that would fly around, kind of like Casper the ghost, and he would do nice things to people and make you feel all good inside and stuff. But that's not who the Holy Spirit is, and I hope that we realize that they, and we're going to see uh, in the next few minutes how important he is in our life and our walk with the Lord. Okay, so I want to, I, there's 300 uh, there's 300 scriptures about the Holy Spirit, but I, I thought this morning, since we don't have 14 hours or two hours, <laughs> that I want to look at what Jesus told us about the Holy Spirit because he was priming his disciples for him leaving and them coming. And, and they, they were freaking out about that. You could imagine they walked with Jesus every day. He was right beside him. He touched them. He, he, he's, they saw him heal people and feed thousands and all these miracles and all the teachings he gave them. And when he said he was going to leave, they were just, you know, you, they couldn't believe it, you know. And, and I, I think we would feel the same way because remember when we used to wear bracelets, what would Jesus do? Or Jesus take the wheel? Or, you know, we... We, we, lean, uh, we lean on the fact that if Jesus was beside us right now, and he is, he's, his presence is in this room, but if he was physically here with us, how different that would be, and we would want that. But Jesus told his disciples it was better that he go, and we'll see that in a moment. But in John 16, 7, 11, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Okay, so what we see there is when we come to the Lord, when we come to a saving knowledge, it's... it's the Holy Spirit is directing us. He's convicting us. When we hear God's word or read God's word, then this is the, the following occurs. And Jesus outlined it completely in his words to his disciples. The first thing the Holy Spirit will do, he'll expose our personal sin. And we're separated from God, and this is due to our disbelief in who Jesus is. And what this does, it produces guilt and fear and anxiety and, and the reality of sin in our life. So it's... It's not natural for us to feel that way. It's not natural for us to feel like, hey, I'm a sinful person and I'm separated from God. That's, that's something we can't do on our own. After, after he exposes our personal sin, he shows us the righteousness of Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God that takes away our sins and he's currently at the right hand of the Father. So, so this shows us who we are and who God is, and clearly why we're not together. Then he makes us aware that our sin will be judged because the ruler of this world, Satan, has already been judged and condemned when Jesus died and, and rose again. So what we see is, I, I use the word agent, I don't know, but the Holy Spirit is the agent for our salvation. He uses conviction to produce repentance, and with a belief in who Jesus is, we are regenerated and, or born again. 
Next slide, please. And so we see the Apostle Paul uh, tells us that in 1 Thessalonians. He was telling the Thessalonians, Our gospel to you that he gave to them did not come to you in word only, but also in the power and the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Uh, Paul also wrote to Titus, uh, who was in Crete ministering, He saved us not on the base of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, but the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. And so we see this uh, regeneration. Uh, let's look at John 3, 3 through 5. Uh, this was the first time in the Bible we heard of being born again. What is being born again? So uh, this, this Nicodemus, he was, he was a religious ruler. He was a teacher. He was renowned in Israel. And he came to Jesus. And it was interesting. He came to him at night because he didn't want his other, his, his uh, uh, fellow religious leaders to know he came. But he came and was talking to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Nicodemus had the same question that we all have. Okay, how can a man be born again when he's old? He cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born, can he? I mean, Nicodemus was, was a senior guy, so his mother had been dead for probably decades. How is he going to be born again? And Jesus explained to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless, you're, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, which is the regenerated second birth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We are reborn spiritually. And in Acts 2, uh, and we, we see this regeneration. And this morning, we saw that with Dalton. We saw that he was a, when he was, became a new person in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell him and help him to live the rest of his life. But in Acts 2.38, remember... When the Holy Spirit, we just read where the Holy Spirit came to him, and this is an incredible picture of, of tongues of fire and all that. Well, when, when that occurred, they were able to, the disciples were able to speak in, in different languages. And remember, at all these festivals, people from all over the world came for Passover and Pentecost and, and other events like that. So there was people all over the world there that spoke Greek and Hebrew all sorts of languages, and they were, they were able to communicate with every one of them. And so some of the people said they're drunk, they're, they're crazy, and, and Peter stood up, and we, this is really the first gospel message. Peter got up and, and said, no, we're, we're not drunk or, or crazy or anything like that. This is, this is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. And, and so then he proceeded to go through and, and, and give them the, clearly the gospel message. And, and we see after, this is what happens afterward. So his final remark was, Therefore let all, Israel, all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this, this Jesus whom you have crucified. Now remember, this, this hadn't been long after Jesus was cruci crucified. There was thousands of people listening to Peter. There was probably people who were there that literally said, give us Bra uh, uh, Barabbas and kill Jesus. So they literally s uttered those words. And so we see, now when they heard this, when the crowd heard this, they were pierced to the heart. They were convicted and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And this is what Peter said to them. Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
We see them being born again. Okay, next slide. Okay, another, uh, some other words that Jesus told them about the Holy Spirit in John 14. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot uh, receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And that's interesting. So he said he's going to send them another helper. And the word, the, the, the Greek word used there is not a different helper. It's a, a helper that's exactly like me. So I'm leaving and another helper just like me is, is going to come. And we, so we kind of we see out God, God the Son left, God the Holy Spirit moved in. Uh, he also said, um, uh, he called the Holy Spirit a spirit of truth. And that's because the Holy Spirit only tells what he knows. And that is the truth of God. So if, if you feel led by the Spirit to do something that's against the Bible, then that's not the Holy Spirit telling you that. The Holy Spirit is only going to guide and direct you in truth. Uh, and Jesus also said, you know him because he abides with you. Okay, remember, the Holy Spirit was with Jesus through his ministry. When he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came to him and dwelled with him the rest of his, his ministry. But he also, he, they also, uh, the Holy Spirit worked in the disciples. In Matthew 10, we see where Jesus sent them out two by two to preach to the towns around, around where they were, they were staying. And he knew that they would get, have opposition because the religious leaders would hear them preaching about Jesus and they would try to arrest them or apprehend them or something. And he warned them. He said, but when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given to you in that hour when you are to say, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. And so remember, the Holy Spirit hadn't indwelled them yet, but the Holy Spirit was still with them, just like he was with Samson and, and King David. Uh, the two last bullets there are the are the really the the most important for us. The first thing was Jesus said uh, he's not going to be like an Old Testament where he's going to come to you and help you and then he's going to go away. He's going to live with you forever. And this is uh, the 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 last bullet. This is why that it's better for Jesus to go and the Holy Spirit to come because Jesus could be with a group of people and that's it. So the Holy Spirit, he's going to come and he's not going to be beside you or close to you or a, or a call away. He's going to be inside of you. So let's keep on that same theme. It's, it, it's kind of crazy to think that God lives inside us, right? Um, so... So nothing would be more intimate than that, right? I mean, you can be close to somebody, you can live with somebody, you can, you can share everything with somebody, but, but when the Holy Spirit moves into our life, he, he knows more about us than we know about us. He, he knows what we're going to do before we do it. And so, so this, is the, this is the kind of intimacy that we have with the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting, the Bible tells us that we become temples of God. We see that first and second Corinthians. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? 
or in 2 Corinthians, for we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. So before the Holy Spirit came, God's Spirit, remember, he was in the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies and the big tent tabernacle. And then he was in, he was in the uh, temple in the Holy of Holies, and that's where his Spirit resided, and the people came to him. But now he's come to the people, and he lives inside us. Uh, so let's look at what else Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. John 14, 25, 26. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives uh, do, I give, uh, do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So not only does the Holy Spirit... Uh, not only did the Holy Spirit uh, write the Bible through these 40 authors, but now he illuminates it to us. He helps us to understand the Scripture in a deeper way. And he brings us peace and joy and, uh, and into our life that really doesn't, doesn't depend on things going well for us. It can be in the worst of situations. When the world is insane around us, we can still have peace and joy. And I think the... Uh, next slide, please. I think the Apostle Paul gives us some idea... Uh, how God does this, how, how the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit illuminates the Scripture for us. In 1 Corinthians 2, 9-13, and this was, this was hard to understand. It, you can see in my notes, I've got scribbles everywhere. It took me uh, quite a while to figure this out. Um, Paul starts out, But just as it is written, things which eyes have not seen and ears have, has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. And so, as, uh, Paul is quoting Isaiah 64, 4 there. And he, what he's saying is, uh, he's saying things which has not seen and, and ear has not heard. That means we, can't, it's, we can, it can't do any type of empirical search to find these answers that what God has planned for us. We, we can't read it anywhere. And not only that, we, do, we don't have any intuition of it because he says, which has not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for us. Then he, he goes on to, to say, uh, we get this knowledge through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know these things, things freely given to us by God, which, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Okay, so, so when you read through the Bible, if you just read through it, you're going to get a few things. If you dig down and study it, you're going to get way more things. And then if you pray when you're, and, and ask someone else like Pastor Steve, the reason we have pastors and teachers because most of us have jobs and stuff and we can't study 40 hours a week. And let me tell you, it, it takes a lot of study to stand up here and present a lesson. So Steve has to spend countless hours to share what he's learned. And so that's how we learn too. But the Holy Spirit will guide us and direct us and it'll make sense to us because that's why when, when people, they, they read the Bible or you talk to them about the Bible, they think it's nonsense because they don't have the capability to understand it. 
that they need the spirit in their life to help them really grasp it. Okay? So it's, that's the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the deep things of God that we couldn't understand on our own. Okay, next slide, please. We're almost done. Okay, what else did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? Well, the, uh, the, the Holy Spirit leads us into knowledge of our fellowship with God. And so I don't think most of us really understand what that relationship can be. Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 8, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption, as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs, heirs of God. Now, this, this, is, this is a big deal, right? Because I think the world thinks that everyone is a child of God, and that's not true. Everyone is a creation of God, but unless you're born again, you're regenerated by the Spirit, then you're not, the, you're not a child of God. And that's, that's, that's what Paul is telling us there, that because we are, the Holy Spirit lives in us and we're led by the Spirit, then we are sons of God. And we have a relationship with him like no one else. And when he says, Abba, Father, and I know Steve has, has taught this to us previously, but that means Papa or Daddy that we, we don't go to God and let's say, oh, eternal, mighty God. You know, we can cut through that and we go just like we're a child going to talk to our, our father. And this is, this is an incredible reality we have. And the Holy Spirit tells us we have that and he keeps reminding us that we have that because we have Satan and we're in one ear telling us, no, God's mad at you, God's aggravated God's frustrated. You don't do what you're supposed to do. And we hear those lies from Satan all the time. And they are just lies. And then the Holy Spirit tells us that that's not true. God loves you. You're his child. So um, the Holy Spirit produces a new attitude in the heart of all believers. He frees us from fear and dread and shame as we approach God in our prayers. So God becomes our daddy. We can tell him every, everything or anything. And that's important for us. And that doesn't happen overnight when, you're, when you are first saved. That takes a journey of the Spirit guiding you and directing you and illuminating you and showing you all the, the deep things of God till you can realize that you are a child of God. You know, what a wonderful blessing that is. God is our daddy and not just a distant God somewhere out in space. Okay, the, the last thing I want to talk to us about is... Uh, John 15, 26 and 27. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. So the Holy Spirit continuously tells us through the Bible and, and, and uh, that about Jesus. He confirms, that's all he talks about is who Jesus is, what Jesus did for us, and he is our Redeemer and our Lord. We see that in, in Galatians 5, 16 and 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, 
Okay, so there's a battle going on in our heart every day because our fleshly desires, because we're still human, right? And, until, until we're taken away to heaven or we die and or, or, or get our new body. So we still live in this fleshly body and we still have all these, these thoughts and desires and our will is different. And so there's a battle with the Holy Spirit in our life. But the good news is... The longer we're spirit-led and grow in our knowledge of God, then the battles are not as intense, and they don't occur as, as often as when we're first saved. Um, so how can we know if we're spirit-filled? Well, the apostle Paul goes on in Galatians on later in that, uh, that chapter to tell us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, that's how we know when somebody's spirit-filled. Because when they genuinely act this way, all the time. And so it's very important for us to let the spirit live and guide and direct us. Because, as Paul said, against such things there is no law. Okay, so, next to the last slide... Okay, so how can we commune with the Holy Spirit? How, you know, yes, I have the Holy Spirit inside me, but yeah, I don't, I don't really feel it sometimes. So I would recommend that we follow the pattern of Jesus. We have some, a quiet place, and I put on there, don't take your cell phone, unless you have to, to look read the Bible, but turn off everything else, because it's a distraction. And that's partly the reason... We never hear from the Holy Spirit because our lives are so, are so crammed with stuff and noise and everything. We don't have, we don't have time to hear him. We don't have these, these still small voice that's inside us. We just don't listen to him. But this is what we see Jesus doing. Mark 1.35, in the early morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. And then in Luke 5, we see that Jesus often did that. He often slipped away. So if God the, the, God the Son had to go away and, and connect and be with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, it's probably, it makes sense that we need, need to do exactly the same thing. We need quiet time in our life. We see Jesus doing that in Luke, Luke 6 when he made big decisions. When he, uh, when he called the 12 apostles, he went away and he prayed all night. And the next, and the next morning he gathered them and he chose the 12. God was, was helping him in that big decision he was to make. We see in Matthew 14 when Jesus heard that John the Baptist was killed, he went away. He needed, he needed to get, he was obviously disappointed and upset and he needed to do that. And finally, we, we see when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying that that he was getting ready to go to the cross. We see him praying by himself three times for that. So I'm going to leave you with two questions. First, does God, the Holy Spirit, live inside you? And the second, if he, if he is, are you letting him lead your life?